Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 268, Covington versus Usman 2, and Shaq is going down this Saturday night in Madison Square Garden, New York, New York. You got a rematch two years in the making uh, for the title, Usman versus Covington. You know what's interesting, Shaq, is that oftentimes when you got people at the top, I mean, the landscape of the sport changes so quick. I mean, you got someone at the top, two years later, you expect it to change. Well, two years later, these two guys are still at the top of the mountain, and that fight was worthy of a rematch, and now they're going to run it back, and it uh, should be an amazing fight, Shaq. Yeah, 100%. I actually just watched that fight last night, man. I mean, that was, that was a battle. That was two you know, big dogs in there going toe-to-toe, no takedowns, no clinching. It was just straight hands, kicks, and uh, Usman showed that he, he that he is the greatest 170-er of all time, and he's looking to prove that even further. And we know Covington, you know, whatever they say about him, and he does say a lot of, you know, uh, some questionable things, but, hey, the kid is a very, very tough boy. He's very well-rounded. Don't sleep on his striking. I mean, he, like, people think he, uh, you know, remember back in the day when they used to say Bisbee, had pillow fist and things like that i see some uh people saying covington has pillow fist but trust me man this guy can keep you honest with the striking and he, he's as well-rounded as it gets man um only what two losses and and i'm excited for this rematch i think this is usman's you know this is his rival right here 100 and in addition to this we got another rematch on the card because we got rose nama Yunus running it back with wiley zhang and I mean, look, man, Rose Nama Yunus, she has a knack for finishing fights in the first round for the title. I mean, you remember when she knocked out Joanna in the first round. You remember when she knocked out Wiley with that head kick. And interestingly enough, uh, there's been a lot of excuses coming out of the Wiley camp. Uh, the crowd got too involved. This and that, the pressure, everybody was mean. But you know what? She went to the right place. She didn't do this camp in China. She did this camp at Fight Ready. And let me tell you what, the guys that fight ready get you right, man. And, um, you know, for example, we're going to talk about Davis and Figueredo rematching Brandon Moreno. At first, I didn't like that rematch, but now I'm kind of like he's living with Henry Cejudo. You know he's not going to the Brazilian uh, barbecue, you know, so he might actually be looking kind of good. looks like he's close to weight. Yeah, we'll talk about that when the time comes. Now I'm kind of in for that trilogy. But back to this, man, I mean, I'm very curious to see what happens if this fight gets extended, man, because historically speaking, I want to see – if Rose, you know, can bite down on that mouthpiece, get tough in there. Uh, if this fight hits the championship round, Shaq. Yeah, 100 percent. Um, Wiley Zhang had one of the best fights ever against Joanna. Um, took a lot of damage in that fight. I mean, both girls had to go to the hospital. <laughs> and then you then, you know, she comes back and, and things went the way they did. The crowd. Um, look, I think the fans majority for the most part contributed in that in turning uh, what? Nami Yunus said uh, that little quote that she said about the whole, you know, communist thing and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I feel like it really wasn't that big a deal when you actually like listen to the context of how she was saying it. And the fans turned that into a whole big ordeal, got in Wiley's head. Uh, so I think she can thank her fans for that. Um, what the y'all are mad that the Americans cheered cheered for the American? Like, whoa, the Americans actually cheered for the American for once. Like. Yeah, so hey, I didn't see nothing wrong with it. It's a fight. I mean, this is a fight business. Her feelings get hurt. I mean, you got to be ready for that. So I'm interested to see the rematch. Y'all know how much I love uh, fight ready. I mean, I got nothing but respect for Eddie Cha and Coach Santino and Henry, the top three gold in my opinion. Um, so uh, Captain Eric Albertine is in her camp too. So I mean, she's got the all star team of coaches, and um, let's see if she if it really is Wiley 2.0. 
And also the featured bout between Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler. This is another one long time in the making, Shaq. I mean, I remember when both these guys were outside of the UFC. Chandler was the Bellator champ. Gaethje was the World Series of Fighting champ. And we would always talk about, man, what would happen if these two fought? Which guy is truly the number one lightweight outside the UFC? Well, now they're meeting in the UFC at Madison Square Garden. Three rounds. I mean, these guys are used to fighting five rounds, but now it's three rounds. And I have a feeling both guys are going to go balls to the wall and they're going to stand and bang until one man falls. Yeah, I definitely have a feeling somebody's going to be unconscious. Huh? <laughs> I mean, these two, there's no need for trash talk. I mean, we already know what both of these guys can do. Justin Gaethje, how many knockouts does he have? I mean, a bunch. Chandler is, in my opinion, one of the most explosive uh, early round guys, like in that first round. I mean, dude can do flips, uh, do backflips. I mean, he's super athletic, man. Um, a lot of power. And um, I'm glad that he's in the UFC, man. Um, for so long with both of these guys but you know Gaethje's been here for a while but Chandler more so I mean we've been wanting to see how he stacked up came in knocked out Dan Hooker in, inside the uh couple minutes and then had a great performance against Oliveros it's unfortunate how quick things fell apart there for him after that 10-8 first round but uh I think that was more due to a mindset thing he just uh you can't you know, look, this is the UFC title fight, not the Bellator title fight against Brent Primus. You know, <laughs> this is uh, you got to Charles Oliveira, the whole quitter thing. I think that's a thing of the past with Charles. I think that Chandler bought too much into that. And I, I know he's looking to redeem himself. Um, And I mean, he's got the power to, to close the show. And Gaethje, I mean, I, I know I've never missed a Justin Gaethje fight. So uh, I'll be tuning in. Absolutely. So we're going to break down the whole car start to finish. First up, got to give a huge shout out to our Atlanta Braves uh, for winning that world championship, man. Last time they did it was 1995. So this is huge for our city, you know, man. I was, I was just a young baby at the at the time <laughs> you know our boy jamar the rockstar whitehead wasn't even born the last time the braves <laughs> won a world series so you know it's uh it's pretty amazing and man it wasn't easy either they gritted through they i mean they fought for that title man so it, it's pretty amazing and it's a huge deal and look forward to being at that parade friday man i wish I'm, I'm still debating if i should uh skip work to go to this parade and when i hear man, I, heard it's, I heard it's traveling like everywhere like all through i heard it's like a long parade but I think, uh, yeah, man, the Braves, I mean, I feel like they got a weight off the state, not just the city, but the state's back. I mean, the state ain't won anything in, like, since 1995, man. I mean, I think everyone's been, like, still heartbroken from that Falcons 28-3. to And, uh, I mean, it just felt good to finally, like, win something for the state. And, you know, I know Atlanta is just a, a small city, but I think the Braves represent everybody in the whole state of Georgia, just, even, you know, outside of Atlanta. And uh, I don't think this is our, our going to be our, you know, first one. I think we're about to... You know, I mean, we won that World Series without Acuna, without uh, Mike Soroka. I, I mean, we had a bevy of things go wrong this year, and they still uh, found a way to win. Absolutely, man. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we beat the best teams in baseball, the Dodgers, the Astros. Uh, so now we got to re-sign some of these guys and uh, hopefully come back for uh for a title defense next year so i'm very much looking forward to it so again we're going to break down the whole car start to finish but uh first up got to give a huge shout out to our newest sponsor bud crush so you guys see we got the slick bud crush gear on 
And Bud Crush is a cannabis clothing brand. They believe that Mary Jane has always been high fashion and their line is dedicated to her. Their first crush was Mary Jane and they've been in love ever since. All their designs are under her influence. Keep smoking, Mary Jane lovers. Use code BATTLE and get free shipping for a limited time. And Shaq, you already know firsthand, this shit is a head turner, man. I mean, anywhere you go, you're wearing the Bud Crush gear. Uh, people are going to take notice, man. So uh, I highly recommend people go to budcrush.com. That's crush with a K. Use code battle for free shipping. 100%. I mean, I'm rocking the sweater right now. Like I said last week, I believe uh, every time I wear this stuff, I get compliments. So I'm going to keep rocking. Absolutely. Uh, they got hoodies, shirts, swe- uh, sweaters like you got on, shorts. I know my boy's digging those those jogger shorts, man, those yeah, things. I got, I got some nice shorts as well. Shout out to my boy Bud Crush. Follow him on it. Twitter, um, Instagram as well at Bud Crush. Absolutely. Also got sweatpants too. And people wanted to see the back of the hoodie. So the hoodie I was wearing last week, everybody kept asking me about it. So I got it here. So the back of these hoodies. My bad, Bud Crush. Let me let me get this right for you. I mean. You see what I'm saying? And that's the same design on, on all the backs of all their hoodies, just with the associated color. So the one I was wearing last week was the Alien OG. This week I got on the Silver Haze. So hit up Bud Crush and use that code BATTLE for free shipping. Now, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the flyweight division, we got a match between Ode Osborne. He's 9-4. and four. He's taking on CJ Vergara, who is 9-2. and two. And currently they got... Ode Osborne minus 180. The comeback on CJ Vergara is plus 158. So both guys impressed me big time in their contender series fights. I mean, they both got first round finishes. I got to give a shout out to CJ Vergara, man. I mean, that performance he had against Bruno Correa blew me away. I mean, I mean, you know, Bruno Correa from that war he had with Mateus Nicolau, man. I mean, it was not easy for Mateus Nicolau. It was not easy for Nicolau to get Bruno Correa out of there, man. I mean, he had a battle for that. And CJ Vergara just goes out there and hits a perfectly placed knee right to the solar plexus and leaves no doubt. So, I mean, the kid's ready for his UFC opportunity. And with Ode Osborne, man, he's going to be one of the bigger guys at flyweight, man. I mean, he's going to have a five-inch reach advantage in this spot. I thought he was looking fantastic against uh, Manel Cap until he got caught in that last fight. And I kind of also wish that the ref let him get a chance to recover because Ode is known for you know working off his back but CJ Vergara he beat contender series vet Jacob Silva you know the kid who had the early stoppage loss to uh, JP Bays then he beat Bruno Correa so he's been doing his thing he's on quite the win streak and I think he's ready for this opportunity he's also fought tough competition outside the UFC went to a split with Jonathan Martinez so I mean you got to respect what CJ Vergara has been doing the only reason I'm kind of leaning towards Ode Osborne is because, I mean, that UFC debut at Madison Square Garden, he's never experienced anything like this. There's going to be a lot of pressure on CJ Vergara. And Ode Osborne's already had the big fights. He's been in there with Keller. He's been in there with Cap. I think it's finally his time to shine. And I think CJ Vergara is going to go on and have a very bright future. And I understand people taking a shot at him at a price like this because the dude is an animal. The dude does come to fight. But give me the... Give me the more seasoned Ode Osborne in this spot, and uh, I think he shines here at flyweight because he looked great in that last fight until he got caught. Yeah. Man, this is tough because I really didn't know too much about uh, Carlos or CJ Vergara 
is it Carlos or yeah. CJ? Uh, CJ Vergara. But man, I was I was impressed in that uh, contender series fight. I mean, he just came out and and walked the dude down and just absolutely bullied him and finished him very easily. A twelve and three guy with a, a lot of experience against UFC competition. So. I mean, I was like, hey, this guy uh, definitely deserves to be in the UFC. Um, and he comes from a, a, a good MMA state like Texas. You all, you know, the, the usually dudes from Texas have a very tough um, re- regional scene. Like you said, he already fought Martinez and some other guys. And, and yeah, I'm a big fan of O'Day. I think he's got a lot of talent, definitely a little green in some areas. Um, but he, he's, you know, I think he, he's making the right steps. He uh, left his old gym, that gym with um, Montel. And, and Real quick, real quick. Tell us why he left that gym. I mean, what did he say? <laughs> I mean, he just couldn't do the. Uh, he needs a more consistent. Just tra- to say, he needs a more consistent training partner is more consistent. Did he say some people only show up when they feel like it or something? I wonder who he was referring to. <laughs> but uh, let's just say, you know, he, some of the, the the people he needed to uh, that he that he needed to be there couldn't always be there. Let's just say that. <laughs> and, um, so now he left. He's with John Wood and Syndicate. I'm expecting some improvements. Maybe not necessarily like anything technically speaking or anything, but just his fight IQ uh, experience. Experience, like you said, this is a debut in Madison Square Garden. O'Day's been on a Conor McGregor card before. He um, his last fight was also with fans. So I think uh, I think uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with what you said. I think that he this could be a tough fight. I, it could be lined a little bit closer. Like CJ Vergara showed a lot of good skills in that in that uh, contender series fight. I mean, forward pressure. He might even someone could say be better throughout the course of uh, three rounds just due to O'Day's loose uh, style. He kind of goes to his back, likes to look for the subs a lot. Um, but he's very athletic. But that style does kind of take a lot of energy and at the end of the day he's only got one ufc win over um jerome rivera but you know jerome rivera definitely gets ran through by everybody but um i'm gonna go with oday as well but i i see this being a tough fight man a fight that he might have to earn a fight he might have to dig down deep for and really grow from so i'll I'll take him but i'm gonna say a a close decision where both guys got to show their heart Next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Melsic, Bagdasarian. He's six and one. He's taking on Bruno Souza, who is ten and one. And currently, they got. Uh, fight odds isn't showing these odds. Let's see uh, what best fight odds is talking about. I'm pretty sure it was minus two seventy for uh, Melsic, but let's double check. Currently, they got Melsic Bagdasarian minus 300. The comeback on Bruno Souza is plus 250. So another debut here for Bruno Souza. And I might be way off, but I'm pretty sure he's like, um, yeah, he is. Yeah, I'm correct. He's a Machida protege. So he comes, uh, you know, trains with Leona Machida. He's got that karate stance. Um, I mean, he won the the LFA belt. He's got a win over Kamuela Kirk, who is currently in the UFC. So he's been doing his thing on the regional scene. And that karate style is going to be tough to deal with for a lot of guys. The only thing is that when you're talking about two high level strikers, I mean, I tend to favor the Muay Thai guy, the kickboxer over the karate guy. If the guy knows how to use uh, his Muay Thai, which this guy does. I mean, speaking of Machida, you go back to Shogun versus Machida and Muay Thai did beat karate in that spot. And I think Saturday night Muay Thai is going to be karate again. And this kid Melsic back this area. And I mean, you can talk about him more than I can. He's very, very impressive. Um, He'll chop you down with those kicks. He'll go to the body. He'll go upstairs. His hands are fast. He's on point for a guy that's only six and one. 
he looks very, very seasoned. And man, I kind of wish that Charles Rosa fight happened because that would be a hell of a showcase. But instead, this is going to be a tough fight uh, here with Bruno Souza. But it's one I see Melzik Bagdasarian passing. Yeah, this is a, a good fight because Bruno Souza definitely has like more MMA experience. Uh, Melzik is still kind of relatively green. He only has about like two real fights. Uh, the kitty fought on Contender Series from. Um, I know Sterling, Ster, uh, the so-called champ was cornering Sterling. Um, so he's from Saralongo, the kid that he, what's the kid's name that he beat on? Dennis, Dennis Bazooka. And, um, and then his fight with Colin England, I mean, he, uh, he showed serious improvements. I, I really like this guy striking. He's a K1 guy. I mean, official K1 guy um, with like over a hundred something K1 matches. So this guy's got a lot of, um, striking experience and i mean that left kick left straight combo he's got i mean that's really the only two weapons he needs i mean that thing is straight is it's powerful it's accurate uh colin england had to find out the hard way but this guy bruno suva like you said he might be you know melsic's still green I, I feel like the line could be playing with fire just in terms of like this guy's uh experience like you said he's had a win over kim Willekirk. um but at the same time man i just see melsic having the ability to with more comfortability like being able to jump on these guys early like i i truly think that this guy has the like the contender series fight the the shots that that dude was throwing in the first round um i don't even know how what's his name a, a bazooka ate those shots bro because like they were very accurate on point the left kick upstairs to the body to the legs i mean the straight to the body to the i mean it was coming it was very impressive to me he didn't get a contract that night because he kind of fatigued in the um in the late rounds it was a competitive fight um but i see just a higher ceiling for this guy um but this could also be another uh a tougher fight um but i you know just because this guy i expect him to kind of switch it up from the karate and i i, I see him looking to try to take melsic down um but i feel like melsic in that contender series fight showed his heart with the grappling i mean he was so green back then and i mean he was fighting those takedowns hard i mean he's got a willingness to uh, fight when he's fatigued it's not like one of these strikers that when they get tired everything completely falls apart like he knows how to fight compose and i think he's gonna get the uh a win here it could be a late knockout um yeah i'll say like third round knockout now next up in the 205 pound division we got a matchup between dustin jacoby he's 15 and 5 taking on john alan who is 13 and 6 and currently they got Dustin Jacoby minus 400 the comeback on John Alon is plus 300 so I got to tell you what Shaq uh, they definitely pulled the rug from right under uh, John Alon because he was supposed to fight Alexa Kamor it was a plus 125 dog there I thought I think, it, I think everybody and their mom was looking to get on <laughs> I, th I thought that was a good spot for John Alon but then they're like actually uh you got to fight Dustin Jacoby not Dustin Jacoby's a minus 400 favorite um Look, short notice for Jacoby. I mean, what what if he uh, isn't in shape? I mean, I think he will be in shape, he, knowing the the gym he comes out of. But how you see this one going down? Yeah, Jacoby's a guy that's always in shape. He actually already took a a, a short notice fight against Jan Kudalaba. He uh he filled in there and performed great in my opinion. You know, but first round was kind of bad, but Kuda, it is Kudalaba. Kudalaba is a heavy hitter, a good wrestler. And um, I thought Jacoby honestly fought great the last two rounds. Um, you know, there was a lot of animosity going into that one. Jan, Jan kind of. You are my me, bonus. <laughs> Jan told him that he was his bonus. And I think that, you know, um, had those 
emotions not been in there. I feel like Jacoby could have had a better performance, but he, I feel like he bounced back, got rid of Darren Stewart the the way you should. I mean, first round stoppage, no questions. I like Jacoby, man. I, I Jacoby's saying that he's guaranteed a top fifteen guy, and I kind of, I kind of want to believe him. Uh, they got him what twenty two right now. I, I think this guy has improved. Like, remember his first UFC stand, his grappling was like awful, like just I mean, like garbage. Like he couldn't get up, he couldn't stuff, he. Uh, it, it was bad, but I mean, he went and did his kickboxing thing, um, won, a, won a glory tournament, like beat real dudes in glory. And I mean, that jab he's got his money, like kind of similar to Melsic. He really only needs a, a few weapons like these high level strikers, the jab, a straight, the low kick. I mean, that jab he's got uh, Jan Kudalaba did not like that jab. Darren Stewart did not like that jab. And I know a lot of people think he lost to that. Um, what's his name? Maxine Grisham. But. I mean, look, it was a close fight, but Dustin Jacoby hurt him with the jab as well. So uh, Maxine hurt him as well with some with some shots as well. But I, I see Jacoby like John Alon. What I didn't like in his fight with uh, Delidze, we're talking about Delidze, who is a jujitsu guy. I mean, Delidze's footwork is bad. I mean, it, I mean, he's a jujitsu guy, you know. It's uh, and he still dropped John Alon, and and I felt like he was so timid with the takedowns. Like in the moments where he had the opportunities to really get off on the feet, he was just too too hesitant in my opinion like he just wasn't willing to get in there he got dropped by roman to let's say a jujitsu guy um and, and i just didn't see that 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 willingness to get in there we're talking about a guy that also took a elder mamouche like the reason i bring this up this dude's coming this dude's coming from shoot box like the real shoot box not um you know charles Oliver and them they got a, a shoot box uh branch but they him and uh in his team, this he's coming from the real shoot box, and and he wasn't throwing in the pocket, man. I'm not saying he's not capable. I, I definitely think he's got a uh, better capabilities, but I gotta go with Dustin Jacoby here. I just think whether it's a decision, a finish, he can use the jab, be more aggressive, and just kind of. I mean, I'm, he's fought a hundred John Alons uh, in his life. Well, not a hundred, but he's he's fought many John Alons in his kickboxing days, and, and I see him uh, getting this one. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a guy, Dustin Jacoby, he's a real striker, and he's transitioned well to MMA. I mean, he started off with MMA, and he wasn't that good, went off, did kickboxing, and I guess at the same time, trained all other areas of his game, and now he's come back, he's been able to implement that style. And speaking of real kickboxers, we'll talk about Alex Pereira here in a sec. I don't know if you saw Pereira versus Jacoby, but yeah, Pereira holy shit. Pereira knocked out, like, everybody knocked out out of something. <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about Pereira. But, uh, Andres. <laughs> but man, uh, Dustin Jacoby, look, he's got a good matchup here. John Alon, he's tough. He's going to come swinging. He's going to come in a bang. Might even look for some takedowns. I mean, he took down Mike Rodriguez, no problem, which... Everybody should take down Mike Rodriguez, no problem. But at least, at least he executed that game yeah. plan like you're supposed to, you know. So no, he's on steroids, allegedly. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Tainted supplement, yeah, or... but a lot of those Brazilians, they, they, I don't know. Something might be going on with their supplements. Not, something on the water with, <laughs> with those Flintstone vitamins. But uh, I mean, I expect this to be a fun fight for a few minutes. But then I see Dustin Jacoby pulling through. Whether he finishes him in the first round, whether it gets extended, um, I see Jacoby getting the edge with the harder shots, the cleaner shots, and. But I think the early going is going to be fun. I mean, John Alon will come out to fight. He comes from a gym that comes to fight. You mentioned it, shoot the box. Those guys aren't pushovers. It's just that once he starts getting fatigued a little bit, that's when Dustin can really pull through. So I do see Dustin coming out here and uh, winning, uh, you know, like like the minus 400 says he should. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got John Volante's retirement fight. We got John Volante, he's 17 and 13, taking on Chris Barnett, who is 21 and 7. 
And currently they got John Vellante minus 120. The comeback on Chris Barnett is plus 100. So interestingly enough, Shaq, uh, Chris Barnett. Oh, actually, I'm wrong. I was going to say Chris Barnett opened the favorite. John Vellante opened minus 150. Then the line flipped. Now it flipped again. So there's been a lot of action on this fight. And for me personally, even though John Vellante at his best, I say at his best. I mean, he knocked out Corey Anderson once, right? And allegedly Corey it Anderson. A, it was a lucky shot. <laughs> allegedly Corey Anderson thinks he's the best uh, uh, 205 on planet Earth. So maybe uh, a 40 year old Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> you, you already know the guy's delusional there's levels to this but uh um i mean look chris barnett he's short he's stocky he's explosive he's knocked dudes out but he's also been knocked out by guys with losing records uh shout, shout out to my boy terrence hodges uh from atl he, oh i met that dude you, you remember yeah, terrence yeah, from the yeah, nfc yeah. we called one of his yeah, fights before yeah, he, 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 yeah terrence knocked this dude uh, out oh and muay thai yeah yeah um so my boy terrence came out here and knocked out um chris barnett lost but uh look it's just like volante should win it's just can you trust volante like i i i don't trust volante but i don't know if this other dude belongs but it's like does that even matter um because it's volante so i don't really know man um I'm a lean Volante, but it feels greasy picking him to win a fight. Yeah. You already know how I feel about John. I mean, John, he's put on a lot of weight over the years um, from 205. He actually did start a heavyweight back in Strike Force. I don't know if y'all ever seen this fight between Volante and uh, Chad my Griggs. boy Chad Griggs back in Strike Force, a classic if you ever want a fun fight to watch. Um, his fight with Corey was also a classic fight to watch if you want to see Corey get knocked out. But, um, yeah, this fight, look, you got two big, big guys in here swinging. I'm going the other side. I'm going to go Chris Barnett. I mean, John Vellante is all he's shown throughout the years is a is a competency to absolutely mess up in every possible way. I mean, that's not I mean, the Maurice Green fight was one of the biggest shit shows I've ever like ever seen in my entire life. Like, I'm glad. But, you know, I think it may have Maurice Green already got cut. I'm glad Vellante is retiring. He had a good run. Um, some good fun fights. Was we'll st- even top fifteen for a second, maybe there. Um, yeah, so I, I'm gonna go Chris Barnett. I can't really give you too much, uh, too much analysts on that one. I mean, you got two big, you know, two big boys swinging. Um, we'll see who gets the better. I'm, I'm gonna just go on the other side. I mean, you got Jake Collier in here pushing a pace on him, and and this is the two sixty five version of uh, Jake Collier. Like I said, Maurice Green. I mean, looked like dog shit. It was still up two rounds, matter of fact, just off the volume of kicks that he was throwing. That was it. And Volante just can't let his hands go, and then you're getting choked out with with chokes. Like I was like, wow. I mean, this guy, <laughs> this guy is something else. But uh, have fun, Volante in retirement. It was definitely one of the the better characters uh, to hit. You know, in this, to hit the sport. Him and Weinman in their heyday was it was quite the dynamic duo. So you know, um, I, I wish him the best of luck in life, man. He's a good dude. Next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Jordan Williams. He's nine and five. He's welcoming Ian Gary, who's seven and zero to the UFC. And currently, they got Ian Gary minus four hundred. The comeback on Jordan Williams is plus three hundred. So I got to say this, man. Um, if this was at middleweight, then I'd actually take the dog odds on Jordan Williams. But I don't like Jordan Williams at one seventy, man. I mean, look, he performs drastically different at eighty five than he does at seventy. And you know, he's a guy. Firstly. Shout out to Jordan Williams. You know, he's the first diabetic in the UFC. So he's, you know, he's fighting for a good cause and we respect him a lot. But as a result, 
they said he can't cut to 170, and now he's cutting to 170 anyways, and I think it drastically affects his durability. I mean, you compare these performances. He had that dogfight with Imbavov. He knocked out Robocop Rodriguez at, at 85s. He had that amazing fight with Ramazan Amiv at 85s, but at 170, the Dwight Grant knockout was brutal. The Mickey Gall fight was brutal. So it's like, there's a huge drop off when he cuts those 15 pounds and I just don't think he can take the shots as well. And it's sad because I think he could push this kid, Ian Gary, uh, if he wasn't, you know, drastically compromising himself from the weight cut. And look, Ian Gary, he's only seven and zero, but I think he's been pretty impressive. You know, I was kind of on the fence at first with a lot of these fights, you know, he did beat UFC vet, Rostam Akman, knocked him out. Um, Jake Matthews didn't knock him out, but look, it was when he beat Jack Grant that I kind of took notice. I was like, okay, Jack Grant's got more than, you know, three times the experience as Ian Gary went out there and beat his ass, man, over a five-round duration, you know, got the Cage Warriors welterweight championship. This kid is a protege of McGregor. For, take that for what it's worth. But I think he's a stud, and I think he should shine here. It's just, once again, you know, back to the kind of CJ Vergara thing we were talking about, that UFC debut, Madison Square Garden. I mean, sometimes these guys don't perform as good in that debut and they kind of need to get that under their belt and they come back looking better and you're paying a minus 400 price on him. So personally, I wouldn't lay that price, even though I do think Ian Gary is going to come out here and win. But man, I just I keep going back to the well with this. I really wish Jordan Williams was fighting at 85s, man. He's so much better at 85s than he is at 70. But, you know, you can't you can't tell a grown man what to do. So. He's fighting at 70, and I think he's going to pay as a result. So give me Ian Gary. You going to tell Jordan Williams what to do? Yeah, I, look, man, it's unfortunate because I, I could see this being like one of these cases of uh, you got guy with his back against the wall who had somewhat of ex expectations coming in. I mean, I know a lot of people thought Jordan Williams was a prospect, but one thing I wanted to say, man, about the last fight, I know a lot of people are like, oh, my God, he got absolutely worked by Mickey Gall, man. I, I, I truly think Mickey Gall has grown up in the UFC. I mean, from the, the way they were talking to him and um, Matt Brown, I mean, Mickey was like, bro, I'm living with Matt Brown. I'm I'm eating Matt Brown milkshakes. I'm, <laughs> I'm drinking. I mean, drinking Matt Brown milkshakes. I'm lifting weights with Matt Brown at um the big gym, Muscle City, you know, not Muscle City. Is, that's what it called. Uh, West Side Barbell. Yeah. Fucking. So, yeah, like Mickey Gall has been putting in work. Um, I know he lost to Mike Perry, but, you know, that was a, a good confidence booster in terms of for him. Like, hey, he was like, I didn't quit. I didn't. Uh, he stood in there for three, 15 minutes with Mike Perry. And I think that he took that confidence into the next fight. And and I think Jordan probably underestimated him a little bit. I mean, it's very easy to underestimate Mickey Gall. I mean, I know some other guys have have done it in the past, like Randy, but they were able to. uh to prevail still but yeah jordan williams i feel like his style is pretty straightforward he comes with the left and i think even at 85s he took a lot of damage but i mean yeah he beat that uh big brazilian guy uh robo i call him little barack um um <laughs> big <Rodriguez>. barack <laughs> <laughs> you know big barack but uh uh gregory rodriguez and had the good fight with ramazan like you mentioned uh, a lot of good experience but um I feel like his style, yeah, with the with the 15 pound weight. I mean, he takes some flush on shots at 85, like against Amavov and these guys, and he was able to keep going. and And I feel like his style is based on his durability and his ability to keep moving forward and eventually land his left hand. So this Ian Gary guy, sometimes with these Cage Warriors things, and I, uh, Cage Warriors is one of the promotions you can actually vouch for. I mean, they consistently. Uh, 
put guys in that can, you know, win at a high level. But with some of these guys, men with these records, like the last guy he fought, Jack, uh, Jack Grant, who was like, what, 16 and seven, like 17 and six, 17 and six, like, like he didn't look like a 17 and six guy to me. Like <laughs> he looked like a, a seven and three guy, like, you know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that. That Hey, your local scene is your local scene, but I think this is going to be a tough fight, man. I think Jordan, when you got that back against the wall, man, it is a dude will do anything to, to get out of there. So I think this is going to be a good performance from him. Um, will he win or not? Ian Gary, from what I hear, has been putting in work at Sanford with the likes of some very good guys uh, that are also on this card. So uh, I'm very interested to see. But I'm going to take Ian Gary. But from a betting perspective, I do think it's a little a little much just because I feel like there's going to be a fire lit under uh, Jordan Williams this weekend. Hopefully the weight cut doesn't diminish him because I think he's capable of winning fights in the UFC. I think he underestimated Mickey, man. Like, from what I remember, like, he, not like that he said he was just going to walk through him, but he was already, like, looking past him and thinking about other stuff, man. I mean, Mickey Mickey has that personality. You kind of got to gotta take him seriously because next thing you know, he's choking you out. <laughs> Facts. We're joined by my boy, uh, Devante the Grinder Sewell in the house. Oh, I don't know. Yes, yes, he's got a... He's got a fight. Um, yeah, November 19th, yeah. Cage Fury on Fight Pass. And uh, Devontae, I looked up your opponent, and let's just say I love the matchup for you, man. So y'all check out my boy, the grinder, Devontae Sewell. He's got a nasty J- submission J- game. You know, Jamaica's finest. Uh, and I hope after this fight he gets a good play to Oxtails. And, you know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So shout out to you, Devontae. Shout out to all our fans that are uh, out here checking us out. Do us a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. So... Before we talk about Edmund Shabazian versus Nasruddin Imavov, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. So, in my opinion, Prize Picks is the top fantasy sports outlet on the market. And basically, what separates them from the pack is that it's not you versus a thousand other people, it's just you versus Prize Picks uh, projection. So, for example, Prize Picks, I told you all this last time. In the Trinaldo fight, they said their over-under for significant strikes landed for Trinaldo was 50. So, I mean, you take that under. Because if you look at Trinaldo's career, I mean, the guy's had over 20 UFC fights. He's maybe landed over 50 significant strikes like three times. So you take that under. And during the World Series, we were capitalizing. We were going off on those Austin Riley's over 0.5 runs or RBIs. I mean, he'd cover that like... He'd cover that like every single day. So you guys got to take advantage of this. Uh, use the code battle for an 100% deposit match up to $100 at prizepicks.com. So you throw in $50, they'll throw in another 50 to match. You throw in 100, they'll throw in 100. You're feeling uh, you're, you're feeling confident. You throw in 250, they'll throw in 100. You throw in 1,000, they'll throw in 100. So prizepicks is the simplest fantasy game on the market. You pick two to five players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. They have no sharks, no optimizers, or mass multi-entry. It's just literally you versus the projection, like I said. And they allow mixed sports entries. So you feel in uh, their projection on Gaethje, and you also want to mix it up with Mahomes or whatever the case may be. I mean, mixed sports on there. And like I said, you don't have to fill the salary with with six uh, different people. You can go two, three, four, five. Like It's so much easier to use than these other ones. And uh, they have a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They got a 4.8-star rating in the App Store with rave reviews. So make sure you all go to prizepicks.com. Use that code BATTLE for an 100% deposit match up to $100. And let me know how you all do, man, because we've been cleaning up, especially in the World Series. So check out prizepicks and use code BATTLE. 
Now, next up in the 185-pound division, we got a match between Edmund Shabazi, and he's 11-2, and two, taking on Nasruddin Im- uh, Imavov, who is 10-3. and three. And currently, they got Nasruddin Imavov, minus 115. The comeback on Edmund Shabazi is minus 105. So, Shaq, I mean, this should be a hell of a fight. You know, after uh, Edmund's last two fights, I kind of wanted him to get, you know, not necessarily a cakewalk, but, you know, kind of a tune-up fight, man, to get his confidence back. And Imavov ain't going to take a knee for no one. So how you see this one going down? Yeah, this is I'm looking forward to this fight just as much as any on the card because Shabazi and he's coming off the two losses and Imavov, <coughs> two and one UFC record. But I think uh, he's looked good in every single fight, um, even in the Phil Hall's loss. Um, yeah, you know, this is a tough one because Shabazian is young, like 23, right? Four, somewhere in that range. Um, young kid. And and man, this is uh, this, this is either going to go two ways, man. This is either, you know, he's either going to have learned lessons from fighting two. I mean, we're talking about Jack Hermanson. What's Jack Hermanson rank? Like six, seven, somewhere in that range. Um, and Derek Brunson was looking the best he ever has. I mean, Brunson's been absolutely running through these guys man blonde um, brunson yeah blonde brunson sanford brunson so yeah he's number five jack Manson's number five in the world like and he's 23 and I, that's what i had the problem i thought after the brunson fight that they should have took the tune-up fight when they took the hermanson fight i was like whoa like you couldn't grapple with brunson now you think you're gonna grapple with jack <laughs> like i just think like there, this could be a case of this is his step down because Firstly, Nasruddin, he can grapple, but not like Jack and uh, and Derek Brunson. I mean, that's like, I feel like in those fights, every time they tied up, every time they scrambled, it, it takes so much out of Edmund that when he gets back to the feet, he does, he stops throwing. Um, and even in the fight with Hermanson, I feel like he wasn't letting go of his typical stuff just because, you know, the the the, the, the takedown, the jujitsu factor, man. So. Um, I'm interested to see if, if this fight he gets back to his old self and let starts letting the bombs go because prior to this, I mean, he's got a, a lot of knockouts in less than a minute. Um, but at the same time, the the other way I see this possibly going is, does Edmund have the the heart to fight hard for 15 minutes? You know, I know he's good at getting the first round early stoppages, but it, it seems like when even when he fought Darren Stewart back in the day, that like there's some there is some quit in there. I mean, some turn away. I mean, they, I mean it. He's been there's been some moments uh, that when he's tired, I mean, he just seems like he's fallen apart. But granted, we'll we'll uh, cut him some slack. Jack Hermanson and Derek Brunson. Now, Amavov, on the other hand, I've been very impressed with this guy, even watching his uh, local scene, Frights in France. And guess who he's got? Uh, guess who he's got in New York with him cornering him? Uh, Coach Cyril Gahn's going to be cornering him for this fight. I mean, they're very close teammates. And uh, I mean, I mean, his movement. And his distance is very sharp. I mean, his punches are very sharp. He definitely fights with his hands down. He's got to be careful with that. But on the, uh, in return, I mean, the guy's got some very good counters. So, um, man, this is a tough fight because I see a lot of people saying, like, trying to discredit his last win against Ian Heinish, saying Ian Heinish was done. And, you know, yeah, that could be a case. But what I was impressed with was how easy he made that look. I mean, that fight wasn't even competitive. Um Ian had some good low kicks, but other than that, I mean, Mavov made him look like, I mean, even in the Gaslam fight, you know, for early on, it was competitive. And, but like, Mavov showed that, like, he's here to stay. Um, I love his coach. Uh, what's his name? Ferdinand, Lope, Ferdinand Lopez. 
you know, um, the guy that got Francis and Cyril gone and all these guys. So he's getting high level coaching. France is very hot right now, except my boy St. Denis. Um, and this is going to be a good fight, man. I, I kind of wish Imavov was the dog. That's what I'm concerned about. Like, I feel like, okay, he fought Brun he fought Brunson and Jack Hermanson, like, those guys would probably take down a Mavov too and, and do their thing. So I kind of don't want to view like, uh, you know, one higher than the other. But at the same time, man, fights are about timing and Mavov's confidence is through the roof right now. And, and Edmonds possibly could uh, be very down. I heard he's been training at AKA. But at the same time, I'm wondering like, I mean, Mavov, I don't think he's going to try to wrestle you, man. I think he's going to try to punch you in the head. And I, I'm can't wait for this fight man because i really want to see what's what um i kind of disagree not uh i just wish amava was the dog i feel like he's kind of proven less if you get what i'm saying not talent wise but just only three fights two and one um i i personally i think phil Hawes is a top 15 talent in the making i know a lot of people disagree but you know it is what it is but i'm gonna go with Nasser Dean to pull it out, but I could see it going the other way. If Edmund has truly learned the lessons from fighting these top five guys and at 23 years old, and you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he, if he that leveled him up, but I wouldn't be shocked if uh, he took a bad fight here. Man, I was blown away by Imavov's last fight with Ian Heinish. I mean, it wasn't just the hands. I mean, he took down Ian Heinish and it was like on a shot reshot. Like Ian Heinish attempted to take down on him. Imavov stuffed it then immediately Imavov blast doubled him and it was like that was kind of a message that he sent that like dude I'm a well-rounded individual I'm here to stay I'm here to swim with the sharks at 185 pounds so I've been really impressed with him and like you said the Phil Haas fight we're going to talk about Phil Haas here in a second because he's got a fight coming up next but I mean dude we've talked about this many times Phil Haas gets a bad rep because when he was four and oh he fought much more experienced guys like three and oh my god he lost to Luis Taylor <laughs> like it's like now Phil Haas is 11 and two. He's a grown ass man now. So, I mean, we'll talk about that in a sec, but with Edmund Shabazian, I think it's easy to write off those last two fights and say, Oh, he fought Jack. He fought Derek, but it's like, go back to that Darren Stewart fight. Like you have to go back to that because that kind of let us know from the jump that I mean, is it, I don't know if it's a hard thing. I don't know if it's a cardio thing, but either way, shit tends to fall apart. Whatever, however you want to label it. Shit tends to fall apart when the going gets tough. And he's definitely destructive in the early going, man. I mean, his hands are on point. He's got head kicks. I mean, he can choke guys out, too. I mean, Edmund Shabazian is nasty for about seven minutes, man. And uh, you got to look out. So if Nasruddin thinks this is some kind of joke, if Nasruddin underestimated him, then Edmund's definitely live. And I think if you got Edmund, you know, plus 130, plus 140, plus 150, then I don't think that's a bad play at all. But now where the line is... You know, now I kind of think the value is starting to go more towards Imavov, who has maybe not been proven with the same level of competition, but at least has been proven that he's a dog, man. That This guy is down for a dog fight. This guy can lose two rounds, come back, win that third. And I know that that's a 29-28 loss, but what I'm trying to say is that this guy will dig deep. So even if the early going is tough, if he's still conscious, he's going to try to win this fight. And I think that's the big difference. So while Edmund might be the cleaner guy in the early going and I mean, you got to look out. You got to buckle your seatbelt in that early going because Edmund Shabazi and his hell on wheels for those first seven and a half minutes. And maybe Edmund's made big strides. I mean, only 23 years old. He switched camps. So I, I, I well, hope he didn't. He just added. added oh, so he's not full time. AK. No, no, no. Okay. I no, mean, you know, my boy, Coach Edmund, ain't never. Gonna, <laughs> never that, that's a, 
them Armenians are sticking together for life, man. At least he, at least he's getting a little additional work, yeah. you know, some extra cur- uh, curricular activities going on at AKA. So, you know, at least that shows that he's trying to branch out a little bit and trying to take a step in the right direction. Will that level up his game? I mean, I, I sure as hell hope so. But on the feet, man, um, this should be very, very exciting while it lasts. I mean, I think that Edmund wins the first round, probably wins the first half of the second round. But from there, if these last few fights have been any indication, Nasserdine can take over. But if we see a new Edmund Shabazian, who knows? Maybe he comes out here and makes a statement. But give me Nasserdine Imavov to win a gritty decision once again. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got the aforementioned Phil Haas. He's 11 and 2. He's welcoming Chris Curtis, who's 26 and 8, to the UFC. I didn't think we'd see Chris Curtis in the UFC, but here he is, man. Currently, they got Phil Haas minus 375. The comeback on Chris Curtis is plus 285. So, I mean, look, the value has been taken away from this line, unfortunately. I mean, um, you know, you got to favor Phil Haas here, but um, do you see Chris Curtis as a live dog? And he's fighting up a weight class for those that don't know. I actually think the line couldn't. Is actually low, man. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I think, look, Chris Curtis, he's got a lot of good experience, a, a, a good striker with his left hand, but like, I don't even think it matters, man. I think Phil's at just at a level right now where he's, this is going to be an, I don't know, disrespect Chris because he is experienced. But I mean, if you look at Chris Curtis's career, every real name he fights, I mean, you know what happens. So I think, um, you know, I know he can be Kenny Johnson and, and uh, Matt Dwyer and, you know, some other guys. But anytime he fights a real, like, you know, UFC Bellator level guy, um, you know, things usually go bad for him. Um, yeah, I just think Phil's, I mean, better everywhere. Like, uh, maybe like maybe not like toe to toe boxing, but. I still think he can compete in that area. Like he's got more power, and and if and if, and if anything goes bad, Phil's got one of the best reactionary uh, double legs I've seen. I mean, when I say reactionary, that means when he gets rocked, that double leg is coming. And I mean, it's strong. Just ask Nasserdine, and um, yeah, just ask Nas- Nasserdine that. And I think that um, Phil Halls has just more past the victory here. The only way I see Chris Curtis winning is by uh, a lucky shot. And I just think that Chris, uh, Phil Halls, I mean, you look at this last fight against Kyle Dawkins, he uh, he ended up 30-26, breaking him up real bad. The Nasserdine win, the the fight against uh, Rob Whitaker's teammate, and um, what's it, Jacob Malcoon. Uh, I mean, he ran through that guy in 20 seconds. Like, this guy, every the last four fights, the contender series fight, and every fight, the competition gets higher. Now I feel like the competition is coming back down a little bit, and I expect him to finish this guy within the first round. Um, And Phil feels like he's getting a little disrespected. You know, he, he feels like... You know, he understands that he uh, he messed up in the in, in the past and whatnot. You know, he he remembers the days that he was a meme, uh, you know, <laughs> where he was a meme getting knocked out against Julian Marquez. Those things definitely haven't he definitely hasn't forgot. But he feels disrespected. He feels like he, he's confused on why Nasser because he, he asked for the uh, Kevin Holland fight. He asked for the Shabazian fight. Like and he uh, said, why the hell I beat Nasser Dean and, he, and he's getting fights in, in the top 15. You know, he feels some type of way about that. And he. uh he feels some type of way about Dawkins fighting Holland, you know, who's a top 15 guy as well. So um, I think he's coming out here with a point to prove. He, he's like, after this, I'm not taking nothing less than top 15. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, look, like I already said, every single time we talk about uh, a Phil Haas fight, man, I mean, the dude was 3-0 and 
fighting Lewis Taylor and Julian Marquez, who are two studs. I mean, he just wasn't ready for that level back then. And as a result, when he lost to those guys so early on in his career, everyone judged him ever since. And he's gone on this big win streak and people are still judging him based off how he fought when he was three and oh, man, yeah, I'm, like, he's 11 and two now, guys. Like he's a co- lose, man. <laughs> like, like, like <laughs> how, are, how are you judging a guy that was three and oh? Now that he's 11 and two, like, stop, like, please stop. You know what I mean? Like, give him a chance. The guy has knockout power. He's an athletic freak. He's a D1 wrestler. I mean, he's the complete package. The only, you know, question mark is maybe his chin. (laughs) But I mean, he's got great recoverability. His shot is on point. Um, Look, Chris Curtis, he had a great knockout on Contender Series, man. That kick was absolutely insane. This guy's fought the who's who. But like you said, historically speaking, anytime he fights a UFC caliber guy, and this is not just something recent, man. This is dating back to when he fought Bilal Muhammad on the regional scene. You should have seen the kind of shit Chris Curtis was talking, and Bilal Muhammad put him in his place. I mean, it was the kind of ass-whooping where there was no handshaking afterwards, man, because of how much Chris Curtis talked. Like, they they had some serious Chicago beef, man, and... uh Bilal put him in his spot, but I think it's going to be the same thing here, man. I think that Phil Haas is on a different level than Chris Curtis. I think Chris Curtis is a welterweight and not a middleweight. Only thing you got to look out for is Chris Curtis possibly knocking out Phil Haas, but that's his only path to victory. I don't see Chris Curtis getting top control on, on Phil Haas. I don't see Chris Curtis winning rounds against Phil Haas. So it's knockout or bust for Chris Curtis and Phil Haas. He can win by knockout. He can win by decision. Maybe not submission. I mean, don't write it off. I mean, the guy, you know, he's pretty badass. But I think either a decision or a knockout for Phil Haas is the way to go here. So give me Phil Haas for the dub. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Ally Akinta. He's 14 and 6, taking on Bobby Green, who is 27 and 12. And currently, they got Bobby Green minus 170. The comeback on Ally Akinta is plus 150. So, Shaq, I mean, we heard like two years ago that. Ally Akinta might have been uh, retiring. And, I mean, those last two fights were the kind of ass whoopings where I wouldn't blame him. Um, he's had some good moments. I mean, remember when he upset Masvidal? It was a big upset, even though it, even though it was uh, it was controversial. I cashed a ticket on his ass in that fight. What? But then we also remember the Mitch Clark fight because uh, people say Al's tough to finish. Uh, Mitch Clark finished him. But, uh, listen, uh, you tell me uh, your opinion on this fight because Bobby's been more active, but this is in New York. Sometimes the judges don't understand Bobby's style. So yeah. what are the chances Bobby loses a split here? Yeah, I don't think Bobby sh- – I just think Bobby's head in terms of uh, these decisions, especially the last two, is just in – like he shouldn't even be thinking about that because he lost, man. Um, I thought he lost to Moises straight up. Um, I thought he lost to Moises straight up, and Moises is a young, improving – guy i mean young moises is top 15 um in paying his dues like those guys had youth on bobby his last fight fits another a similar situation for Ziv. i mean the type of bombs that kid's throwing is like vicious i'm excited for his fight with uh brad riddell coming up soon but um yeah i just think bobby fought two guys that were just younger better than him slightly and you know bobby's kind of like the uh a gatekeeper for these uh you know, guys that are looking away that make their way in the top 15. If you can be Bobby Green, you know what that means. It means you're you're a stamp guy now. So I like Kenta look. I like Kenta eh, good hands, um, kind of flat footed, good jujitsu, comes from a good camp, hasn't been out for quite some time, definitely was 
contemplating the retirement thing. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he's a part time fighter and, you know, all that stuff. But it, it, it is the truth. I, I expect him to come here fully motivated. This is in in New York. He's got pride about himself. But um, man, all this time off, it's either going to go two ways. He either healed up, took some time off. But like uh, uh, on a on a real note, man, like let's just be honest here. Like the dude, even prior to the the dude's very inactive. Like he fought Diego Sanchez, then uh, Cerrone. Who, it was uh, Kevin Lee. Yeah, he beat Kevin Lee uh, in between there. I mean, no, Kevin Lee's out of the UFC, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin Lee hasn't been the same since the since the Ferguson incident went down. Um, and you know, Cerrone Hooker. I mean, these were bad work. The Cerrone one, he got left in a pool of blood. Like literally, like watch the end of the fight. Like you got Al kneeling down in a pool of blood. And then this next fight against Dan Hooker. We, you know, we don't even need to talk about that. Um, even lost a grappling belt to Mike. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, no, you're not kidding. <laughs> lost the grappling belt to Mike Perry. I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if Al is still in this. Like, maybe if this was a few years ago and you get this price, yeah, I'd probably be on Al. Maybe he could outwork him. Um, you know, weasel a decision. Bobby's been we I can't even say Bobby's been weasel. Like, I just think he lost. Like, the Trinado, he thinks is a robbery. Like, Jakar, bro, you, you just lost, man. It was a good fight. You lost to a good guy. I think if he twists that narrative around, maybe he could even have uh, better performances. But I see Bobby touching Al up, man. I just think Al... His hit a wall in his in his development. We know what he's gonna. He's got good um, he's got good boxing, one hundred percent. Like dude can definitely set up some good uh, MMA boxing combos. But what is Bobby Green known for? MMA boxing. I think he can, you know, compete with him in that ring and get the better of it. Um, I don't see Ally Kinsa getting the better of him in grappling per se. I think you know Bobby Green's um activity is what's gonna actually win him this decision here. But I actually think he's gonna put damage on Ayakinta like. I feel like I can just one foot in, one foot out as where Bobby's still two two feet in, still looking to represent himself, uh, you know, the best way he possibly can. Uh, I know Bobby still got kids to feed and, and baby mom and <laughs> baby mama's to pay. So I know he still wants to fight. I think Bobby, you know, when he's a favorite like this, um, like this, I think it's a good sign. I, I, I like I really I know he was a favorite against Moises, uh, like minus three hundred. But I actually did, I I disagreed with that big time. Like Moises has been putting in work. Um, so I think uh, Bobby Green gets back on track here, and I think he touches up Al uh, in two of these three rounds. But when I say this, look, there's a ch there is a chance that this is one of these fights at the end where you're like, oh, judges, please don't mess this up, man. Like, so at the same time, you got to be worried about that. Um, has New York had any like? like rememberable shit decisions um can't think of any like they just haven't had an event in a while so i don't remember but i don't think they've like had any like sh like where like texas or something like that ain't like texas yeah, that's for like, sure you know i i think i think the judges will be fine i think bobby gets this done by decision i mean dude there was a time when you could really rely on ally Kenta to come out here and cash these bets man i mean i remember in 2015 back-to-back -back winners against joe lozon and jorge masvidal i mean the guy was cashing tickets um it's just that he's been kind of inactive and that's what you got to uh, look out for like you were mentioning you're questioning is it one foot out the door i mean is he truly committed to this because al is a talented guy like you said good hands decent jujitsu comes out of a good camp has great training partners so i mean he's training with champions uh chris weidman matt sarah Sterling, <laughs> <laughs> we'll say Marab, Marab, future <laughs> champions. Marab. I mean, look, he's got good people around him, man. So 
I think he's a very capable fighter. It's just about, does he still want this? Um, those last two fights were pretty brutal. Bobby Green, on the other hand, one thing about Bobby Green is he tends to double up his opponents on output. It's just that, you know, sometimes the opponents are landing the harder shots like Fiziev and uh, Tiago Moises. But, man, when if you don't quite show up against Bobby Green, he's going to put on an output clinic against you. My only concern is, like we were mentioning, the fight being a little bit too close. You know, it being in New York, the judges uh, give him the split decision to Al, the line being, you know, plus 150 Al in a close split deci uh, decision type fight. If it is that close fight, then the value's on Al. But if Bobby comes out here and just keeps the strike count, you know, decent by a wide margin and it's just up in him you know for every one shot that al lands bobby lands three then i do think that bobby can make it a little bit more clear and win that unanimous decision so give me bobby green via decision you know, but this fight's been uh in the making for a while you remember that interview ariel did uh uh it was like years ago man like i think bobby was ranked high both of them were ranked high and uh they had bobby you know just type in uh ariel and al i can bobby green on youtube y'all will see it I don't think they like each other. No, like this is B from like years ago, back when they were like at the top of their game and stuff. Like, but like I was trying, you know, trying to say Bobby's an idiot and you oh know, yeah, like of a, course, you know, a uh, want uh, be, a want be street guy, <laughs> you know, things like that. And Bobby was like, "What?" Like, you know, had like his whole team behind him in the interview, like talking shit. You know, just type it in. I will. So yeah, the pig is Bobby Green via decision, but it has the potential to be close. Now. Uh, topping off the prelims, we got a matchup between Alex Pereira. He's only three and one in MMA, but don't let that fool you. He's taking on Andreas Mikolitis, who is 13 and four. And currently, they got Alex Pereira minus 260. The comeback on Andreas Mikolitis is plus 210. So, for those that don't know, Alex Pereira, when we talk about glory strikers, when we talk about real kickboxers, this, real, real. this guy is a real kickboxer. I mean, Everybody knows he knocked out Adesanya, but he didn't just knock out Adesanya. He, he beat him another time, too, via decision. This guy brutally knocked out Dustin Jacoby. Um, this guy's got quite the resume on him, beat Simon Marcus. I mean, he's beat all the real kickboxers. It's just that, obviously, this is a different sport. This is not kickboxing. This is MMA. So there's questions about, you know, how's his takedown defense? How's his ground game? Well, his debut in 2015, he did get choked out. But 2015 was over a half decade ago. So that's a long-ass time to be able to patch up that hole in your game. And he trains with uh, Glover Teixeira, with Kyle Magalhães. So at least we know he's with the right people. And... One thing about Mikolitis is he goes hard in the early going, man. I mean, Mikolitis is going to come out there. He's going to, he's actually a black belt in jujitsu, Shaq. He's going to come out here. I think he's going to try to take him down early. And I think he might even have success early. But historically speaking, with Mikolitis, if he goes past the first round, he doesn't do as good. He starts uh, and, trying to find his way out the cage, literally. Uh, <laughs> I mean, all, all I got to say is, um, I mean, it might be a first round knockout for Alex Pereira, but. If Mikolitis happens to get that top control in the first round and doesn't get Pereira out of there, uh, that this fight starts round two, and Pereira is going to hit him with some shit that he did not see coming. That left that hook left is hook? disgusting. That right hand, the kicks, his feints. I mean, he'll get you biting on those feints. You'll be so worried. You'll get. You'll be like, which one of y'all hit me with that? You know. So uh, I think Pereira is going to hit him with some. Sh clean shit i mean this is like i said this is not your typical three and one guy this is also not gokan saki who you know was getting up there in age this yeah. is a guy flat That's out in his prime that, yeah. um 
And I'd be very careful because I know people are saying this is a different sport and they're a hundred percent correct. This is a different sport. We got to see how his ground game is. I mean, maybe it's complete shit, but I'm under the impression tra training with the right people for half a decade is going to get you right. And knowing this guy's mindset, knowing the people he's beat, I think he's going to come out here and shine. Give me Alex Pereira via vicious, brutal, stiffening KO. Yeah. Pereira might be, uh, I know Gokan Saki might have been more like accomplished in terms of like titles and stuff like that. But like you said, Saki was on his tail end in, in that sport. And when he came over, it was just too late. Um, and I mean, he lost the Khalil's like not too bad. But as, as far as this guy is concerned, um, Alex Pereira, look, Andreas is aggressive early, like you said, but. As we've seen when fights progress, he hits that wall. And when he hits that wall, he doesn't know how to fight. And there's one thing when you're fighting KB Bueller, who, let's just be honest here, is harmless as, uh, I mean. He just as, lost his regional fight. Oh, I didn't even know that, but I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, KB Bueller's got nothing to offer at this level. Um, and Andreas can even finish. I'm just kidding. But, like, I, I, yeah, yeah I, I, I actually see this being easy, man, like, easy work. I, I, look, you've been training with Glover Teixeira for this long and they've been working very close together um i think that i mean you've been working in the practice room with glover on top of you i think you should be calm when andreas gets on top of you so if that happens i mean i know my boy glover have been like we've been working on this we've been working on this like i, I see him getting back up and absolutely putting uh mikalitas down for the count man i think mikalitas probably got forced into this fight and you know um I just don't see he better get that submission within the first couple of minutes, but I just don't see it happening. I think Pereira might honestly be um, one of the locks of the car just because I'm telling you, he stands in front of Pereira for 30 seconds to a minute tops like that left hook will get through. I mean, I don't people go like actually type in Jacoby versus uh, Alex Pereira. I mean, like he's putting not just Jacoby and Adesanya out with the left hook, but like a bunch of other people too. <laughs> like the dude's left hook it might is better than Paul Daly's left hook, better than uh, you know, and Ganu, who I mean, in terms of just you know, like it's just very precise, man, in my opinion. So I think he's gonna knock Andreas out within the first round. And you know, he used to go on Instagram, he used to go by the name Adesanya's daddy, but <laughs> I guess he wants to be a little more humble these days. And you know, and that's probably the right, but like legitimately, he used to go by Adesanya's daddy on Instagram. Um, and Adesanya was like, Bro, the only reason people even know you is because of me. <laughs> like, so hey, I'm, I'm excited because if he comes out here and gets a vicious knockout. Um, they're going to try to rush this guy up, you know, pretty quick so they can try to push that storyline. So I, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping he gets the win and I think he does. So before we talk about this main card, because, you know, first up, we do got Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. They actually moved it to the opener so that Trevor Whitman would have time in between because he's also coaching Rose Namajunas and uh, Kamaru Usman. So we'll talk about Gaethje versus Chandler. But first up, we got to give a huge shout out to our longest standing sponsor, Manscaped. So support for half the battle is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in male grooming. Their fourth generation performance package absolutely changed the grooming game, along with their refined body wash to round out your hygiene routine. Join the four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for their shower time routine by going to Manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20. Shaq, I mean, you don't want to deal with any accidents. You don't want to deal with any bullshit. You want to get the job done. You want it to be thorough, concise, and on point for whatever short notice or 
or long-term notice opportunity comes up because you got to be ready to go. So have you smelled Manscaped's refined body wash, fellas? The ladies love their signature scent. You and your boys will be oh so fresh and so clean. Shout out to Outcast when you start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash. Keep the grooming game going with the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0, which uh, I got in my hands uh, right here. This thing is badass. You got the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and the Travel Bag to hold your goodies. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock and give you the ability to turn uh, the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave oh and did i mention this uh trimmer is waterproof too this trimmer is a shower essential the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top your nose and ear the weed whacker is also waterproof uses a 9000 rpm motor power 360 degree rotary dual blade system this nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate areas seal the deal with manscaped liquid formulations their crop preserver ball deodorant for before leaving the house the crop reviver ball toner for a mid-game ball check and trust me when i say fellas your balls will thank you manscaped even threw in two free gifts the performance package 4.0 the manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag so bring Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Keep your balls trimmed, fresh, and clean with Manscaped, Shaq. 100%, man. Keep, keep, keep that area clean at all times. Yes, sir. Protect yourself at all times and keep it clean at all times. You so, don't want ear hair either, man. Uh, you don't want no ear hair nose hair. That's, that, ain't, that ain't a good look. Yeah, exactly. So make sure you're on top of it uh, with Manscaped and use that code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. So Shaq, let's uh, let's break down this main card because first up, we got a banger a long time in the making. We got Justin Gaethje. He's 22-3, and three, taking on Michael Chandler, who is 22-6. and six. And currently, they got Justin Gaethje minus 225, the comeback on Michael Chandler's plus 175. So, I mean, like we mentioned early on in the show, this is a fight a long time in the making. I wanted to see, uh, you know, Justin Gaethje back when he was the World Series of Fighting Champion, take on Michael Chandler back when he was the Bellator Champion. And now it's finally happening, my man. And um, the only thing I got to say, I mean, besides that, this is guaranteed violence is I was kind of surprised to maybe see a plus 175 next to Chandler's name. I mean, that is kind of tempting, but... He also is kind of prone to those leg kicks, and we happen to be dealing with the best leg kicker, arguably in in the sport. So, um, how, how you? Uh, what's your breakdown here? Man, this is a tough for me because you know initially I, I just this is one of these fights where I just feel like everyone's singing the same tune, and it and it and it worries me big because. Gaethje, yes, I mean, we know Chandler's history historically late rounds. He, he kind of really isn't built for the wars, looks to, you know, in the in the later rounds kind of honestly looks more to the lay and pray style. But there's no denying that first round. I mean, yeah, I mean, Gaethje's been rocked. What? I mean, every every fight, I mean, like uh, pretty much uh, except Ferguson. I mean, he still got rocked in that fight. Second too. Round. Um, you know, so like 
to sit here and act like Chandler can't knock this man out unconscious. Uh, I think it's a little, I think it's, I think Chandler's not getting enough uh, credit. I'm not saying that he's going to win this fight, but from a, a betting market side of things, I'm, I'm, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm more of a Gaethje fan, but I feel, I feel a little disrespected for Mike Chandler here, man. Like, damn, everyone's going against Chandler this weekend. Shit. <laughs> um, I think uh, Gaethje's been out for a very long time. I consider that last one very demoralizing and especially for him um, just because some of the things I've heard him say in the past, you know, if you tap, you, you're you a quitter. If you, you know, if you, uh, you know, you know, Gaethje's got a lot of thoughts in his head and that's what makes him a great fighter. And, and personally, I kind of feel like um, Chandler in, in this spot, man, kind of doesn't, I don't want to say he has, I feel like the pressure's on Gaethje to perform here. I mean, he's got to live up to this line. He's got to, you know, redeem himself off his loss. Chandler fought for the title. His last fight had a lot of good success that that um, that first round, a 10-8 first round, but had a bad mindset. You know, he just uh, like, look, there's four more rounds to go. What happens if you don't knock him out? You know, and Charles came back. It was a little alarming how quickly that fell apart for him. It, it kind of just proved the notion more that Chandler isn't built for wars. He's built for, you know, first round explosions and then that head on collisions. Um, yeah. So I, I see this fight pretty much like, yeah, I see the narrative. Look, if this gets extended, the leg kicks, the, just the, the whole, you know, heart thing, uh, down the stretch will Gaethje will prevail, but man, some of the things I've been hearing from Gaethje the last few weeks, man, I don't know what it is, but like, I just feel like, man, man, let's see if he proves it, man. He's saying, you know, a lot of things, um, you know, I, I, th you know, he's having arguments with DC, <laughs> with DC on Twitter and stuff like that. Seems like everybody's getting into it with DC these days, but, um, you know, I kind of feel like he isn't fully respecting Chandler enough. I mean, Chandler's taking this fight as if this is, you know, a, a life and death situation. And the vibe I get from Gaethje is more so like, you know, oh, it's just Chandler, you know, <laughs> um, he, you know, but we'll see what happens, man. I, I, I'll pick Gaethje as a pick, but from a better thing, actually, I'm gonna take Chandler for upset, man. I'm gonna switch my pick. Actually. I just feel like everyone's singing the same tune. Like, Oh, he's just going to break. Like you got to understand, like he just fought for a title. Like he's going to go back to the, to the gym, make some adjustments. Like he knows he can compete at that level. Um, and he's a very driven guy. Um, and honestly, in my opinion, the most explosive lightweight that we have in the early goings. But, you know, I, I understand the whole notion um, that if this fight hits the late rounds, he's going to break. I, 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 see, I see where you're coming from. Historically speaking, when he fought Brent Primus, even in the rematch, he, he was getting very tired. Um, and the Eddie Alvarez rematches and things like that. So I, I definitely understand that angle. Will Hence, Brooks. Will Brooks. You know, I, I definitely see that angle. Um, so... You know, I see why, but if you're playing Gaethje at minus two, and I think that's a bad move, man. I think Chandler, as of right now, has to be the side just because this is a – when you got the lightweights, man, the lightweights, all those dudes from one to to five, I mean, it's a gunfight. Anybody can knock out anybody, man. So I, I think um, I'm going to go with Chandler in an upset. I mean, look, I can see it, and the price being plus 175 – I mean, I think this is clear dog or pass. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Chandler gets knocked out. But here's the thing with Chandler. I don't, I don't think it's a hard thing. I think it's like a durability thing mixed yeah, in with the, muscles, the guy goes 100 miles per hour, all gas, no brakes. I mean, he doesn't know how to pace himself. And we're talking about a guy with close to 30 pro fights. Like, 
if he could just pace himself just a tiny bit, I think that he could have success in the later rounds. It's just that the guy doesn't know any other way besides going balls to the wall, which is what we love about him. I mean, which is why it's so exciting to watch him fight, but which is also his downfall in the fights that he tends to lose. Um, whether it's that Will Brooks fight, the second one where, I mean, that was a scary knockout, man, because it was like he was so fatigued from going 100 miles per hour that he didn't even know where he was. Or even the the most recent one against Oliveira, man, he goes too hard. And if he can get you out of there, it's beautiful. It's just that in the later going, that's where you got to be worried. So this is something he can make an adjustment on, though. I mean, no doubt about it. I mean, this isn't Bellator anymore. This is the UFC. So maybe he realized, and I mean, he's got smart people around him. He's got Henry Hoof and that great camp. Maybe they realized, like, hey, dude, like, you, you, you got to take some off. Like, like you got you to you you pace yourself, buddy. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, look. Gaethje's going to come out here and he, he is going to chop that leg down. I mean, that's a guaranteed fact. I mean, we're, we're talking about the guy with the best leg kicks against the guy who has been stopped with leg kicks before against Brent Primus the first time and has also been compromised in other fights. Um, even the Dan Hooker fight, like Dan landed one really big calf kick. And we were like, I was thinking like, man, if you could land like three or four more of those, I'm curious to see uh, what, what would happen. But, you know, he ended up getting Hooker out of there. So that was great to see on his part. So here, I mean, I, I just see it being a closer fight than the odds indicate. Yeah, I do kind of lean towards Gaethje, but let, let, let me see what the opener was on, on this real quick. I'm actually very curious. Yeah, exactly. The opener is more minus 140 Gaethje, minus 150 Gaethje. That, that's kind of where I line it, you know, but minus 225 Gaethje, I just kind of disagree. So I do see this at the current line, plus 175 being a dogger pass situation. I mean, a pure pick, I'll go Gaethje because I do think that his durability might be slightly better. I mean, watch him get knocked out with me saying that, right? He's been knocked out more than once, so it wouldn't be out of the realm of reason. And not only, not only that, Shaq, back when he was undefeated, he'd get rocked like every single fight back in the world series of fighting he'd get dropped and rocked every single fight but the reason we love him is because he'd come back and you know and break these guys so it, plus 175 it's chandler or pass i'm gonna lean gaichi to get it done but i might end up betting chandler just because of that number now next up in the featherweight division we got a match between shane burgos he's 13 and 3 taking on billy q billy Quarantillo, who is 16 and 3 and currently, they got Shane Burgos minus 200. The comeback on Billy Q is plus 170. So um, I said I said to you last fight with Shane Burgos, and no disrespect to him, I think he's an incredibly fun fighter to watch. He's very skilled too. But I said that I kind of didn't ever want to see him fight again because that last fight was very uncomfortable to watch. I didn't like how he went down. And this is not something new, man. It's something new in terms of how uncomfortable it was, but it's not something new in terms of his defense. This guy has always fought with his hands down. He's never made any adjustments. I mean, you remember the Calvin Cater fight where he got knocked out. Well, we thought, hey, man, that must have been a wake-up call. Next fight, he's going to come out there with his hands up. Nope. Goes in there against Kurt Hollibo, gets dropped in the first round. He ended up being able to capitalize on Kurt Hollibo's weakness on the mat, was able to tap him out. Then he had a couple favorable matchups along the way, you know, the Makwan Amirkanis and whatnot, the Charles Rosas. But once he stepped up in competition, I mean, Josh Emmett will capitalize on you fighting with your hands down. Edson Barboza will capitalize on, on you fighting with your hands down. And now, even though Billy Q is a step down compared to those guys, I mean, he's not a top 10 guy. Billy Q is a savage and Billy Q is a dog. And Billy Q, if you show him any kind of weakness, I mean, he will run with it, man. And one thing about Billy Q, I feel like he leveled up big time after that Gavin Tucker fight. I mean, that Gavin Tucker fight was such a letdown, man. And he comes out there that next fight against Gabriel Benitez. A lot of people are counting him out. And listen, 
with Gabriel Benitez, a lot of guys beat him, but a lot of guys have to go through adversity first. I mean, Sodik Yusuf, it says first round knockout, but Sodik Yusuf got dropped in the first round. Andre Feely was getting touched up until he uh, caught him. Omar Morales, that was a back and forth war. Billy Q ran through Gabriel in a way where I've never seen anybody do Gabriel like that. And I think that was a big statement that finally, you know, he's got 19 uh, pro fights. Billy Q does. This is his 20th pro fight. I think it's all starting to come together. And even though, you, you know, maybe from a technical standpoint, even though Burgos does fight with his hands down, you kind of give him the edge. But this becomes that dog fight, and that's where Billy Q thrives. And also, Billy Q is a plus 170 dog. He's going to fight for your money, man. I don't think that Shane Burgos has the takedowns to kind of neutralize Billy Q. I think it's going to be won and lost on the feet. The area of concern is, you know, Billy Q, he is that tall, skinny guy. So obviously, some body shots, I, I kind of don't want him eating those. But I, I just kind of got to fade uh, Burgos fighting with his hands down consistently, not learning his lesson. I mean, as a fan, you love watching Burgos fight. He's incredible to watch. But as a betting man, I did not like what I saw that last fight. I didn't like what I saw the fight prior. And I know Billy Q is going to come to fight. So it might be a losing ticket, but plus 170 on a guy that I know fights like a dog against someone that fights with his hands down. Give me Billy Q for the upset. Yeah. Yeah, I differ on this one a little bit. I, I see the the narrative... Um about the last one you know the delayed reaction ko but i just think that's more attributed to the type of shots that uh edson's throwing i mean much more technical than than um you know sharper technical faster everything than um what billy q is going to be throwing look i i think billy q's a dog you know you know very tough guy looked good his last fight but you know at the same time man i don't even think gabriel i just don't even think those guys are on shane's level you know caliber um yeah, Shane definitely. I don't think it's a, a cardio thing, um, a, a heart thing. Uh, a, Shane can stand in that pocket all day and keep throwing. I just think he he's got to pick and choose his battles a, a little more smartly. I mean, you can't, you know. Honestly, I think it could be a case made for a draw in that um, Josh Emmett fight, just due to the amount of volume that he was throwing. Um, I like Billy Q's known for his volume. It's not his technical boxing. It ain't his wrestling. It's just the amount that he's throwing. Billy Q will go and go and go. And I think Shane can definitely match that, if not even throw more. Like Shane can go. Um, it's just when you're talking about the heaviest hitter at 145 with the overhand rights and the and the the switch stance left hooks like Josh Emmett. I mean, I've seen Emmett put dudes like stiff, like Ricardo Lamas, um, Christos Giagos, Michael Johnson. Um, that's all I can think of right now. But I mean, Emmett's the hardest hitter at 145, in my opinion. Edson Barbosa, that doesn't even need to be mentioned. Um, we're talking about different type of weapons, too. We're talking about calf kicks, body shots, spinning head kicks. I mean, the type of things he's having to worry about in these fights aren't aren't even going to be uh, remotely close to what Billy Q's got. In my opinion, um, Billy Q can... I feel like he's just a guy, it uh, seems like a lot of his fights, honestly, are more grappling-based. I mean, he's usually, like, a, a, a scrambler. Um, the Gavin Tucker fight, though, I feel like he kind of got exposed in his boxing a little bit. I feel like uh, if you can make Billy Q fight in close boxing style, I, I don't see him competing with Shane Burgos. I see him getting touched up. Um, you know, Gabriel Mowgli Benitez is a, is a guy, you know, a 500 fighter. I mean, you know, exciting, but, you know, um, it kind of, in hindsight, it kind of makes sense. You know, I, I was honestly going to play Mowgli, but when I really thought about it, man, you can't be laying chalk on, on 500, you know, uh, like, yeah, like on 500 guys, man. Um, I think Shane Burgos is, is somewhat considerably uh, a, a caliber above, above that. And I think, 
he could also have um learned some certain lessons in those fights like he just got to pick and choose his battles more like he was having success in those fights it's just his willingness to uh stand and trade there and i think he can get away with that against some other guys is what i'm trying to uh basically say like if he takes a step down uh, i think he's gonna get back on track here this week and i think he actually puts it on billy q man down the stretch i i don't i don't think billy q can box with him i think his only chance is to to uh to land a shot but even even considering that man burgos has a lot of heart like it you know edson barboza is responsible for some of the most entertaining knockouts and like i well, the, the key to it though is billy q's attack is very somewhat predictable for a guy like shane as well as in like emma and these guys they have the type of the firepower to change the course of a fight like that or edson barboza you're talking leg kicks body i mean everything is coming so I'm going to go with Shane and get back on track here. I actually heard this is make or break for Shane. I heard, I heard it's the last fight on his deal. Um, all right, so this is, this is a back against the wall type of spot. Featured bout in the Bantamweight division. We got the legend, the, the hall of famer, the former lightweight champion, Frankie, the answer Edgar He's 24 and nine second on Marlon Chito Vera, who's 19 and seven. And currently they got, Marlon Chito Vera minus 170. The comeback on Frankie Edgar is plus 150. So, man, this should be a lot of fun while it lasts. I mean, listen, Frankie Edgar is one of the reasons I'm such a hardcore fan of the sport. I mean, I remember watching his fight with Tyson Griffin and just the insane scrambles. And then you see that little guy go out there and dethrone BJ Penn. Interestingly enough, you know who was in the corner of BJ Penn? Uh, Jason Perillo is also going to be in the corner of Marlon Vera. So they got a little experience with him. Uh, yeah, but uh, definitely he definitely frustrated BJ Penn, and I, he, they fought three times. And I'm referring to the first one in Abu Dhabi. But now Frankie's dropped two weight classes down to bantamweight, which a lot of people think he should have been there all along. He's fighting Marlon Vera, who has paid his dues in the division. Marlon's one of the top finishers. I think he's either got the most or second most finishes in bantamweight history. So I think it comes down to the wrestling of Frankie Edgar versus that, you know, that killer uh, instinct of uh, Marlon Vera. How you see how you see this one going down? Man, you know, initially I, I was thinking, um, you know, this is a retirement party for Frankie Edgar. But look, you know, after watching some tape, look, this is going to be a good fight. It's a it's a good match fight. You know, Vera, we know the type of fighter he is. He's kind of the type of guy that kind of drops the first round and likes to come back in the last two. He did it his last fight. He, um, not the O'Malley fight, but the, the Guido Canetti fight. I mean, a bunch of his fights. He kind of, you know, feels you out, kind of is looking for that intel in that first round, see, seeing how his opponent's moving. And the the game that, you know, I'm having trouble with here is just the the weaselness of uh, Frankie Edgar. I mean, look, he already weaseled a, a decision from me against Pedro. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, look, Frankie fights very professionally. He, he, you know, his movements are very professional. He knows how to stall. He knows how to, to eke out. He knows how to, especially, you know, Marlon is definitely improving. Um, but I still think there's a, a gap between him and, you know, um, that other tier a uh, 135 is not saying that he can't get there i mean because we're gonna see this weekend but you know um i think marlon vera is gonna do the more damage 100 i mean I, I expect frankie's face to be covered in blood uh in this fight it's just a matter of do not let this guy stall you out against the fence do not let him sway these judges with these you know he's very professional and you know i know that seems like a very simple word but it, like he you saw the Pedro Munoz fight, man. I mean, he, uh, 
these judges, especially in New York, that's his territory too, man. Um, you gotta be uh you gotta be careful. Marlon is gonna really need to hurt Frankie Edgar here. Um, and he's coming off that loss against Corey Sanhagen. This could be good timing. Um Man, I think this is going to be a close fight, like truthfully, honestly. But I see I see Marlon actually hurting him down the stretch. But at the same time, this could be another fight like I was mentioning earlier with Iaquinta and Bobby Green where, you know, Frankie, he stalled him out. He he uh, he, he held him. He, he you know, he, he clinched him and tied him up, uh, you know, uh, and we're in New York, his territory, we'll, we'll see. But I'm going to go with Vera. I just think he's trending a little higher. Look, Frankie Edgar, how old is he now, 40? 40. I mean, he just turned 40. Like, the wheels have got to gotta uh, fall off at some point. I mean, Marlon Vera losing to a 40-year-old doesn't even sound right when you really think about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, look, he's, he's just got to he's gotta have a little bit more of a sense of urgency. Like, the song fight, he kind of he got started too late. You know, um, but those guys have real KO firepower. Like, I feel like this is a good matchup for him just in terms of the sense like, bro, this guy ain't going to knock you out. Like, you can actually get aggressive a little earlier. All he's going to have is the, you know, no disrespect to Frankie Edgar, but I'm just saying like at this stage in his career, you know, he's 40 years old. He's going to be looking to, to eke out and stall out. So I think uh, I'm going to pick Marlon Vera for a win. I, I do wish the line was a little short shorter maybe like 140 one you know 135 150 ish but hey you know he's been looking really good as of late i mean the career turnaround uh man somebody said frankie's 10 and 0 in new york um <laughs> i think uh i think the uh the career turnaround he's been on man i mean if you've seen what he started at i mean marlon when he first started i mean it was it wasn't pretty but um man you gotta just he gotta he's gotta start he's had a bad habit uh, of starting too late and um it's cost him with some decisions in the past like song and um and well jose aldo he actually won the second round um so yeah i i just think that he's got to have a sense of urgency here and he can get the win um so i'll pick him for the win. yeah i mean look frankie edgar legend of the sport it's just you know he is 40 years old so in terms of the retirement party thing I don't think he's the kind of guy that will retire on his own. I think the people around him are going to have to tell him to retire because Frankie Edgar, he's so goddamn tough. He's always been the toughest guy. And even early on in his career, man, he would get rocked and dropped in these fights. Remember the Gray Manor fights? And he'd come back and win those fights. So he's so admirable. It's just that some of these knockout losses have been kind of uncomfortable to watch, whether it's the Ortega one, the Chansung Jung Korean zombie loss, especially the Corey Sanhagen one. Whereas, like, back in the day, you couldn't knock this guy out with a baseball bat. Now he is finally getting knocked out. So the durability is kind of waning on the Edgar side. And Vera, one thing about him is he can finish a fight, man. I mean, he can smell blood. He gets you hurt. He will turn up those knees, those elbows. Uh, his submission game is on point, too. He's been a black belt for a while now. It's just like you were talking about. And I 100% agree with your breakdown. It's just, you know, don't let Frankie lay on you for 10 minutes. Don't let Frankie oh, hug you. <laughs> don't let uh, Frankie... <laughs> you know fool the judges with that you know pitter uh patter boxing <laughs> one thing about vera he's got an insane chin man i mean it's gonna be a sad day when he finally gets knocked out and interestingly enough because you compare the two that kind of used to be the case with edgar he used to be the guy with the insane chin now he's finally been knocked out um but man vera's 12 years younger than frankie edgar we're talking about 28 versus 40 but 
again, you know, Vera did get taken down that last fight against Davy Grant. Now, granted, he found a way back up. He ended up busting the guy up. I think a similar thing is going to happen here. He probably does get taken down in the early going, but eventually down the stretch, that's where he's going to start to pull away. That's where the age will start to show itself. And I think that he makes it clear enough in the second and third rounds and potentially gets a finish along the way against the legend. One thing about Vera, he's been getting better every single fight, and we haven't seen his finished product yet. Only 28 years old, still has a lot of room for improvement, and he's serious about this, man. He's not a guy that's out here partying. He's a guy that's surrounding himself with the right people. So I only expect improvements. And we've criticized his boxing in the past. Well, now he's working with Jason Perillo the last few fights. You've seen a marked improvement. I expect to see even more improvements every single fight. So much respect to the legend, the Hall of Famer. I mean, there's I can't say enough good things about Frankie Edgar. Um, see, Frankie Edgar is an actual Hall of Famer. Now, I know I've pissed some people off with my past takes about Pettis and and uh, some other guys, but this is Frankie is a guaranteed Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he dethroned BJ Penn. He, he was the smallest guy in the weight class and won the belt at 55. Uh, the guy, I yes, can't. Pettis I mean, ain't no Hall of Famer. <laughs> Diego Sanchez ain't no Hall of Famer. <laughs> I, I, I love Frankie Edgar, man. Yeah, so Edgar is a legend. You know, true legend. I My mean, boy Frankie did things the right way, man. He really did. But, uh, I think this is Cheeto's time. So give me Cheeto to just land the more damage, to to land the big moments where he hurts Edgar, possibly get that finish. But if not, just rack up the points in the second and third round. Hopefully avoid getting held down because that's what he's – don't get stalled out. I mean, he's got to know that. He's not a dumbass. It's just, you know, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. So let's see what actually happens here. Co-main event of the evening. We got our first of two rematches. We got the champ, Rose Namajunas. She's 10-4, and four, taking out Wiley Zhang, who was 21-2. and two. And currently, they got Wiley Zhang, minus 125. The comeback on Rose Namajunas is plus 105. So, interesting. Rose Namajunas knocked her out in the first round, and now she's the dog here in the rematch. Um, I still have questions about what happens if this fight gets extended. I think that's, that's what would favor Wiley Zhang. But, I mean, Rose Namajunas is hell on wheels, uh, the first, you know, the first half of the fight, man. And she's so explosive. So, I mean, you see this fight going differently this time. Every fight is different. Man, I got a lot of thoughts in this fight, man, because, uh, you know, I kind of share my thoughts on what happened really in the first fight with the whole, com you know, communist comments and all that stuff. But, man, this fight kind of reminds me of uh, some past fights Rose has had, man, like like the Joanna series, like, you know, where she knocked Joanna out, she's in denial, <laughs> and she goes five rounds in the rematch, and I think there's also some false narratives in this fight, too, man, like, um, Wiley Zhang, going into the last one, I, I think she's a great fighter, and I think that, um, she had a great run, but I, to be honest, going into the last one, when I really sat down and watched, I was kind of questioning, I don't want to say the legitimacy of her title, but you know that fight that she had with an in it with Andrade um, in China, like the the shit that Andrade did was just like she just charged forward and, and like literally I don't want to say gave her that, but like it just Andrade had a bad night, man. I'm not saying that you know uh, if they rematch this would happen or this, but it didn't really, in my opinion, it didn't give me a, a, a full representation of. Wiley. Then we go into the Joanna fight where you know I feel like you know they like, it was a great fight. Look. We love great fights, but, you know, she was minus 200 against, you know, somewhat of a quote unquote washed up uh, former past champion that, you know, hasn't gotten her belt back in, in how long. And that fight was coming down to the wire. She took 
a lot of damage, a lot of flush on shots. And and this ain't the first time she's taken gotten rocked. Like even dating back to her debut fights, uh, Tisha Torres, like there was moments in all of these fights where she did chicken dances in these fights, man. And this whole cardio thing, like why Lee gets tired? Like, uh, you know, she was able to, um, you know, push through in the Oana fight, but Rose did too, man. Like, you know, Rose went five rounds with the Oana and, you know, Rose, that's her issue is the cardio it always has been, um, you know, she's definitely, that's the way she's lost. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I know I know she's went to fight ready and not just fight ready, Nura Force One. So if they change her life, they uh they change her life. But that doesn't mean she can't lose. I've seen people lose on Nura Force One as well, too, man. So I think that um there's a lot of false narratives. I don't think y'all Wiley has the cardio advantage by the margin they all think she has. I think she gets very lactic down the stretch. I think she her head movement slows down down the stretch. I think uh she also gets tired, man. I just think that, you know, they hyped her off up so much with that Andrade and that Joanna performance. Like uh, I'm not as sure she's like, mm, you know, also mixed in with the fact with these thoughts in her head about the the comments, she's still somewhat on that a little bit, you know, um, all the, it's just mixed in with all these thoughts. Like, Oh, I, I find it hard to believe that she's better. Oh, look, I watched the first fight. She couldn't, you couldn't stand with her at range. I mean, you were biting on every feint and you got knocked out. And, you know, when these people just can't admit that and they, you know, try to say, Oh, the crowd and um, the travel from China, or, you know, she turned the people against me. Like it, you know, it was actually kind of, I actually didn't like this thing she did. Her and um, actually your boy, Benil Dariush, kind of had a, a a little back and forth because he said that, um, you know, he said that was weak. <laughs> like he said that that was weak. And, you know, she kind of responded back, well, your fight with Tony, Tony, because I think it was on the same card, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she was like, bro, your fight with Tony Ferguson put everyone to sleep, you know, like, uh, which is kind of funny. But it kind of just shows me, you know, more of who Wiley is. And I'm not saying it in, in a negative way, but, you know, they're kind of what well, maybe possibly could have been an ego thing there. Maybe it, it, it's check now and maybe she's uh, got Santino and these guys around her and they can fix it. But. I think it's honestly a lot of ground to cover, man. Um, I think this could be one of these typical rematches where um, maybe it goes five rounds, but maybe the same thing happens again, man. I truly think Nama Yunus, in terms of striking, is better than, um, you know, outside of Shevchenko and um, and Nunes and, and Jermaine, you know, these girls. Well, Jermaine's got, like, a, a real resume in kickboxing. Uh, same with Shevchenko. Like, obviously, you have to put those two in terms of striking. But, like, MMA striking, man, I honestly think Rose Namajunas is up there with anybody. She has the power, the, the setups to actually knock people out and make them look silly. I mean, she's done it several times. Um, the Rose Namajunas fight, everyone was in denial about, uh, denial about that. She came back and went five rounds in the rematch. Look, she does. She struggled with her, you know, mental things in the past. And, you know, uh, the Jessica Andrade fight, which she got slammed. But, you know, she came back and um, she she held up in the in the in the rematch. And I thought it was a much more improved version of Andrade. And to be honest, and I hate saying things like this, I think it was a better version of Andrade than the one Wiley Zhang fought. Like, the one that Wiley Zhang fought, like, I don't even know what that was. Like, I, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, she literally just went in with, like, a six-punch combo with her chin straight up in the air. That 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 China crowd, man, it had everyone doing crazy shit that night. Yeah, I don't know if y'all saw Eliza versus Li Jingliang that night, but it, it was a, the, the Chinese were going crazy that night, man. Um, And I think that was kind of mixed in, man. So I'm actually going Rose Nami Yunus to keep her belt. 
I finish. I think Wiley Zhang is, is somewhat in denial. In denial, we'll see if she can uh, stretch this out to the late rounds. But like I said, I'm not convinced she's gonna have the success in the late rounds. What if she's already busted up to the point where this is? I, I, in the early rounds, I see her getting touched up, man. I, I don't think. Look, I'm going to throw Zami Yunus to keep her belly. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If Rose is mentally there and, you know, uh, she's coming out here with a chip on her shoulder to prove the first fight wasn't a fluke and she wants to really prove that she's the champion, I mean, she's one of the most dangerous fighters in the entire division. She always has been, man. It's just always kind of been a mental thing. Um, You know, remember when we cashed that plus 215 on Carolina? It wasn't because Carolina was better than her. It was just because Carolina was tougher than her in the second and third round. So the thing with Rose Namayuna, she's going to be faster than everybody. She's got better technique. She's more explosive. And she's just dynamic. And now she's got the experience behind her two-time world champion. So, I mean... You cannot sleep on Rose Namajunas. It's just Rose needs to be mentally there. And in, in her favor, she's got a very good history with rematches. She's 3-0 and in rematches. And she's also undefeated at Madison Square Garden. So those kind of things are going in her favor. Now with Wiley, at least she doesn't have to make the flight from China anymore. So she's not going to be jet lagged. She's done this camp in the U.S. And not only did she do this camp in the U.S., she did this camp with a great team, fight ready, NeuroForce One. So I expect adjustments. And some of the adjustments I expect, I mean, for her sake, hopefully she goes to the calf, starts chopping down Rose Namayuna, start to take away a little bit of the speed, and then down the stretch, if she can get this fight extended, then start to pull away. So that's how I'd kind of see the path to victory for Wiley Zhang. But I agree with you. There is a lot of delusion. There's a lot of things I don't like that I'm hearing. And the most important thing when we're talking about betting is the price. Why is Rose Namajunas the underdog in this spot? I mean, you know, so it's one of those things where if the line was flipped, then maybe I'd be more inclined to make the argument for Wiley extending this fight. But at plus 105, it's just, I, I think it is kind of disrespectful to Rose. And I am going to pick her to defend her belt here against Wiley. It's just about if it gets extended, she's got to hold on. She's got to be tough. She's got to, you know, hopefully that calf doesn't get too compromised because um, I'm expecting adjustments from Wiley Zhang 100%. I don't think it's just going to be a one-minute head kick knockout like the last time. I think this fight's going to go to a little bit deeper water. But Rose Namajunas has to, you know, she's got to bring her toughness to this fight. If she does that, then I think she's got the other tools to win. So my pick will be and still Rose Namajunas. And everybody, do me a favor. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. And let's break down this main event, my man, because we got another rematch a few years in the making. We got the champ, Kamaru Usman. He's 19-1, taking on the challenger, Colby Covington, who is 16-2. And currently, they got Kamaru Usman minus 350. The comeback on Colby Covington is plus 260. So a lot of the narrative is the improvements Kamaru has made. And, I mean, you got to mention that. I mean, look, he used to be a guy that people would say snoozeman, that his fights were boring. <laughs> now, he's out, now he's out here knocking everybody out. but. Colby, I mean, look, two years at MMA Masters, I expect Colby to be very improved, too. And one thing about Colby, don't let the persona fool you. He is a student of the game. And that last fight, if you just take that last fight into consideration, two to two going into the fifth round, and it was uh, and it's plus 260 now for Colby. So I understand people taking that shot. It's just my kind of reasoning for kind of backing Usman here is that I just think Usman's slightly better. I think the numbers reflect that, too. I don't think he's better by a huge margin. I just think he's slightly better everywhere, and that's going to help him pull away. And not only that, every fight's different. 
I mean, there's no guarantee this is that five-round war like the first time. Oftentimes, when you get that five-round war, the next fight ends somewhat early. Not saying that Kamara is going to end him early. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But I expect this fight to go kind of differently. I'm just not really trying to lay minus 350 um, against Colby, but I'm also not trying to have any money against Usman. So personally, I kind of want to sit back and enjoy it because the first fight was such a classic and well-deserving of a rematch. And both these guys are incredible fighters. It, it, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's awesome, you know, considering how quick the landscape of a division changes that two years later, these guys are still at the top of the division. Still the champion Usman, still the number one contender Covington. That just shows what kind of level these guys are. And, I mean, these are the two best welterweights on planet Earth, bar none. So I expect another amazing fight. But give me uh, Usman to just be slightly ahead of Covington and defend his belt. Yeah, I think um, first fight was a great fight, and I think uh, you know it was. I mean, look, it was it was a fairly even fight. Some of those first couple of rounds, I couldn't even. I watched it last night. I couldn't even tell who was really winning. I mean, it was that close to me. Um, and to be honest, man, I'm not gonna lie. Out of all the rematches, especially in um, comparison to the uh, Rose one, I actually feel like this one. As much as I hate to say it, man, I feel like this one could be playing with fire for Usman. Not that he shouldn't have, that he should have took another fight or anything. It's just, you know, when I look at where Kamaru's at right now, he's definitely, you know, knocking these guys out. Um, Jorge Masvidal to knock him out. I mean, Jorge's never been knocked out besides um, an early stoppage versus Hadrigo Dan back in the day. But I think um, to actually knock him out is a big statement. The thing is, like what you were mentioning before, is this time off for Covington. I know people are using the whole uh, who's he fought Woodley, you know, who uh, he he hasn't been, he's been out here, you know, on the sidelines. But to be honest, man, that could be a, honestly a smart move when you think about it, man, because you don't want to get Usman's been fighting and he's kind of fallen in love with his hands, um, kind of I don't want to say falling away from the clinch game. Look, if if uh, in this particular fight, he's not going to wrestle. He's going to try to knock him out. If these guys try to wrestle, it's just going to be a stalemate, you know, and wasting energy. So I, I, what I'm worried about is just the spot that he's in. Like When I say that, man, I'm hearing the dude talking about fighting Canelo and <laughs> all type of shit. And I'm just oh, like, man. I'm like, Kamaru, don't start this. Sh like, don't, because you know what happens when you start talking about boxing motherfuckers. Like, bro, Canelo will whoop your fucking ass. Like, if you don't sit down, <laughs> like, like, you know, I just hope that he's, this is, He's not, I don't think he's over, he would ever overlook Covington, but, you know, just the fact that he has a win over him, you know, maybe he's feeling very comfortable when he should be feeling, you know, very, uh, he should be ready for a war. I, and I expect him to come out here and fight, but there's no secret, man, that Covington had a lot of success. And Covington's one of these guys, man, where, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of went down on my list in terms of a person, but look, as a fighter, man, this guy is, this guy is top notch, man. And he, and I feel like he's one of these guys that has gotten by for so long on bad footwork and, you know, an average uh, striking arsenal. But now, and, and, you know, one of the things I saw in the countdown show, you got to look at his past training situation, man, at ATT. Like, that could that must have been like, you got to, first, you got to worry about your opponent, but you also got to worry about, you know, your teammates that are, uh, you know, you got beef with, you know, you got Russians approaching you in the gym. I heard Joanna's trying to fight you in the gym. <laughs> like, you know, that, that that whole environment, man, and you're fighting world-class guys. I mean, the guy, I see why they call him chaos, you know. Um, the guy, he, he lives in that bullshit, and 
And uh, the fact that he was able to perform that way, um, I mean, and now the fact that he's got a gym now, MMA Masters is, you know, only a few guys, Colby Baez, uh, I saw Nate Landwehr is training there now too, um, he just got to win his last fight, um, some other guys, um, you know, you know, Nikolai Alex can actually trains there too, um, Nico Price, um, things like that, so, you know, but the team is now primarily built for Covington, um, I mean, Covington is the star, so now you got a, a team where two you know, coaches with experience can actually work on his striking because the the issue here, what I have with him and Usman is Usman has more power and they can go combo for combo. But after a while, you know, it, it seemed like in the first fight when Usman hit Covington, yeah, he would wobble and, and um, when Covington and Usman, he'd wobble and stumble a little bit, but it just seemed like he could take more. As where when he, and Usman hit him, you could see at times Covington would give obvious facial reactions, like especially when he went to the body. I mean, I mean, he can't, he couldn't hide the, the, those facial reactions. And it was just clear that Usman is stronger, more powerful, but Covington definitely had speed. He definitely had timing. And like I was saying, and that was with, you know, I don't think he was really like ever dedicated to striking. Like, I mean, that's what he said. He like, now he's actually like hitting pads and like, I'm interested to see the improvements because two years off with these guys man his strike if he's got actual power to to like really sit somebody down i mean covington could be a fucking problem man because we know the kid's heart is, is second to none besides i mean him and his heart is, is you know undeniable his uh cardio is undeniable so if uh if he can actually like threaten usman with power shots and actually like make him respect him this line could be you know way closer man so i honestly think from a betting perspective it's dog or pass man um i just think that usman here like i don't like hearing shit like that man i don't like hearing you talking about canelo i don't like hearing you talk about you know all these different avenues with boxing and shit bro you have a title a ufc title fight with colby covington your arch rival like you need to be 100 focused um because covington really has nothing to lose i mean he loses i mean he's just gonna go back and you know hide and make his uh go back on his yacht with the with the with the uh average porn stars and all this stuff like that but like you know i think uh you know it's so funny at first he had some good porn stars in there but then they just started like it was like bro where are you getting these girls from like at one point he had like kelsey monroe and stuff then it went to like kelsey ain't cheap <laughs> yeah true 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 that and uh yeah but i'm gonna go usman as a pick you know but um, but I think it's gonna be a dog fight, similar to the first fight. I mean, I I, I wouldn't I, I don't recommend paying paying minus three ten versus Covington. Covington is a tough boy with a lot of heart. You know, you got to take your um, disdain for for his uh, for his character out the at the question because that's not gonna matter when they're in the cage, man. So I um I think it's a dog or pass. Like you got plus two forty for a fight that was I mean back and forth for four rounds, and, and Usman broke through in that fifth, but. To be honest, I was thinking Usman was, I mean, I still do think he's a dominant champion, but even in that Burns fight, man, like, I think he's a slow starter to a sense. Like, I think that he's very, I don't want to say very stiff, but I just think he's a slow starter. Like, early on, it, it seems like it takes him a minute, a round or, uh, you know, about seven minutes to really get warmed up. You know, he definitely takes some flush head kicks, took a big overhand right from Burns. Um, the Jorge fight, look, Jorge, I, I, I love Jorge, you know, legend of the sport, but Jorge is not a, uh, a a championship level fighter. He's a top, you know, five, six guy. But, you know, when they were in there, it almost, 
I don't think he respected his. I mean, look what Jorge was saying. He was like, Kamaru Usman's literally the softest hitter I've ever uh, fought against. And, you know, look what happened. I think the stardom is it got to Jorge. Maybe he still is, man. Um, we'll see. But I'm going to go with Usman by a, a, a close decision. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in New York, New York, Madison Square Garden. UFC 268 should be a hell of a fight, should be a hell of a card. Everybody do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. We'll be back for the next card. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. Shout out to all our fans. Shout out to our sponsors, Bud Crush, Manscaped, Prize Picks. Check out the deals we have with them uh, in the description. Again, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. We truly appreciate it. We'll be back next, uh, next time. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.